I'm struggling. What else is new? (laughs) Welcome back. (laughs) Welcome to High Maintenance. I'm your host, Fiona. Today we have Liz with us. Hello. We're very, very, I guess we're, it's just me. Cam's not here today. <laughs> I'm very excited to have Elizabeth here today. Uh, Cameron got surprised by her girlfriend on this little trip. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. I don't think there are many episodes you have to listen to by any means before listening to this one. Again, if you're a new listener, just a reminder that the whole premise of this podcast is to explain astronomy in such lamest terms that anyone can understand it. So even if you're coming into this thinking like you haven't listened to anything before, like you don't need to have a lot of background information. So if you're new, that's what it's all about. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It helps us out a lot. So Cam is gone this week. So Elizabeth is stepping in for her and she doesn't know what the episode is about. No idea. Before we get into it, though, I think Elizabeth has a story this week. (laughs) Uh, yeah. (laughs) So... My boyfriend and I walked to, like, downtown to just go for, like, patio drinks or whatever. And the sun was setting, and it was beautiful, and the lighting was magnificent. And we came across this potato on the sidewalk. And the lighting was so perfect that I took a photo of this potato in the light. So here's the photo. It's the sunset. And then Toshi one-ups me. And he's like, this is how it's done. And he goes and he does it. So I'm like, okay, this is how it's done. And I got real artsy with it. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. Sunset. I'm going to post this to our Instagram. Yeah. At High Maintenance Podcast with an underscore. Come check out a potato sunset. Yeah. It looked gorgeous. The lighting was beautiful. Do you have a story? I don't have a story as much as like something that I heard that was really cool. Okay. Have you seen that you can, like, well, I don't know if you can anymore, but for a while they were selling tickets to go to space. As what? Like, you can do it for, like, a day, apparently. Like, go to do a day trip to space and come back. What? I was researching it earlier, and it looks like they want to do it for, like, a tourist thing in the near future. Go to space for the day? Like, you just, like, Holy it's really smokes. expensive. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> but imagine... It's like the new Wonderland. <laughs> when you yeah. do this weekend, my family and I are going to space. Yeah, like they really <laughs> one-upped Wonderland there, they, right? They really did. <laughs> you know what's really cool that I learned about the podcast this week? Mm. Our audience is like 20 or 22% um, like American from the States. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't think we've ever mentioned that we're from Canada. But we're from Canada. (laughs) Yeah, we are. Which is why they may not get the Wonderland reference. Mm -hmm. Canada's Wonderland. Google it. It's an amusement park. Yes. Would you like to hear what this week's episode's about? Yes. This week's episode is about neutron stars. Neutron stars. Never even heard of those. Yes, you have. No way. I've mentioned them in another episode, but I cannot remember which one it was. Okay. I'm sure the black hole one, which you weren't even on, so... That makes sense. I'm going to go through it, obviously, all um, in my notes and everything. But essentially, they're incredibly dense. They have incredible gravity. Like, they're very, very small. Okay. But they're massive. Pause. They're what? They're very small, but they're very massive. 
Oh, small in size, <laughs> massive in like dense and right. weight. Right, in mass. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. All right, that makes sense. In last week's episode, we did mention neutron stars, but it was pretty brief and it was just kind of comparing them to black holes. And in last week's episode, we did say you could call a neutron star a cousin to a black hole. Ooh, okay. that's how similar they are. Hmm. Did you like my pondering? Hmm? I did. I did. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. <laughs> Have you heard the explanation on uh, gravitational waves? No. Gravitational waves are all throughout the universe. And they happen when really large events take place, like big collisions. So it's like a ripple effect. Exactly. Oh my God. And it ripples through space. So do we ever feel those? We can detect them. Oh my God. But we don't feel a difference. Mm, I don't think we can, no. So what happens when there's a ripple? Something explodes or something crashes into each other, Mm -hmm. causes a ripple. Mm -hmm. We can detect that. Right. Can we detect how far away it is that these happen? Yeah. Oh my God. Can we tell like the size? Yes. Oh my God. (laughs) For real? Yeah. Do we know exactly like what it is that crashes with each other? No. Oh. Oh, that gets me. <laughs> That's kind of what we went through in last week's episode. If that really enticed you, last week's episode is kind of like all going through that kind of like way of thinking of like, mm. we can look at things and observe them with like the data that we have. So like we use black holes in, as an example in last week's episode, because black holes are technically still like a theory in a way, because like we can't see them. So we can't say for certain that what we think is happening there is like we can we can have the data on the amount of mass and the gravity and all of that, but we cannot see it. So we can't really say that exactly what we determine is what's there. When big traumatic events happen, like uh, supernovas cause gravitational okay. waves, we, even as you move your arm, you create gravitational waves, but they're so small and yeah. you don't feel it, but you're making them. In space, like that has to be huge to be detected, right? Exactly. So yeah, things like supernovas. Um, really big things. Big collisions that we say are black hole collisions, but like Ooh. big collisions like that cause crazy gravitational waves. Hmm. And neutron star collisions cause crazy gravitational waves. We have a machine called LIGO, and it's what detects the gravitational waves in space. And in 2015, it detected some for the first time, and we assumed that it was the crash of two black holes. Hmm. And then in 2017, two years later, LIGO picked up a different signal that was different than the first. But what's funny is that less than two seconds after they detected the signal, a gamma ray telescope detected a flash of gamma rays from the same part of the sky. Oh. Get out. What happened? What's the theory? Well, so the combo of this just showed it was something different, obviously, than like the black hole thing that we'd seen. Okay. So within hours, there were astronomers across the world and they were all pointing their telescopes at this area of the sky trying to figure this out. It was a really intense time. Yeah, I bet. Because this was the first time that there was light and gravitational waves at the same time. Okay, so can I I guess what it is? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to guess... Well, it was probably a neutron star, because that's what the episode is about, right? <laughs> right? Am I right? Fuck! Because I was going to say it was a supernova. Like, that doesn't make sense. We're talking about no <laughs> neutron stars. Fuck. Uh, no, but this is timed out. So that's a supernova crazy. wouldn't be timed out. Like, it, you wouldn't hear, like, the gravitational waves, like, in the consistency that it was. Like, they were long. What they heard were two neutron stars slowly getting closer together and they were speeding up and then they were colliding and that released a tremendous amount of energy. Holy, how do they know that they were colliding slowly? Because the wave? They can tell, yeah, by the data that they collected from wow. the collision. 
so it happened in real time this yeah. didn't happen over thousands of years yeah, and millions no. of years yeah, this happened, this happened like they were actually moving slowly toward each other and hit yeah like in real time in like a matter of days or whatever yeah exactly whoa okay that's so weird because whenever you talk about space and stuff happening quickly you're like oh well quickly like in thousands of years years, or whatever but this actually happened in real time within Mm -hmm. seconds like this well maybe days well maybe days but like this happened in real time Mm -hmm. isn't that freaky that is freaky that shit's happening in space right now and it doesn't happen at the rate of like millions of years or thousands of years Mm -hmm. stuff is colliding out in space right now all the time yeah all the time shit's going on yeah shit's going on what's interesting about this collision though is that the light and the gravitational waves will travel for 130 million years wow 130 million years this was the first time that we've seen two neutron stars collide and they called it a kilonova Ooh, is that as bad as it sounds? It's pretty violent. Ooh, all right. This event doesn't just release energy, but a ton of debris that blasts out into space. It turns out that neutron stars play a critical role in creating many of our heavy elements. You were in the episode that we talked about, I think... When it creates iron, it blows up. Yeah, so during a supernova is when a lot of elements are created. Right. And some heavy elements. But the heavier ones... Come to the end of its life. So we thought that at first because that was the only reasonable explanation. But it turns out that a lot of our heavier elements come from the collision of neutron stars specifically. Oh. So sometimes it's a supernova if it makes it that far. No. Most of the time it's this? No, I think only... Only supernovas can create a certain amount of elements. Up until iron. Um, I think a little bit heavier than iron. Okay. And then, like, as soon as it makes iron, it explodes. Yeah, it starts to die. Yeah, the iron because iron starts. Oh, we'll we'll go through. I don't want to go through it all like at once, but so most of the elements on Earth are made from stars. We assumed for a long time that it had to be created in supernovas, but scientists ran computer simulations and virtual supernovas failed to forge the heavier elements. Oh, so they tested it. It's tried and tested. Mm Mm-hmm. Now that we've seen a neutron star collision, we can begin to analyze it and actually see what happened during that neutron star collision. Throughout the changes of the neutron star collision, scientists noticed subtle changes in the color of the kilonova remnants. Oh, based on what elements they have? Yeah, yeah. And we've said before how scientists can use the color of gases to determine what's in, I believe it was nebulas when we were going through the nebula episode. I think... Uh, that was the one where we were talking about like the bluer nebulas are more hydrogen rich and you could tell based on the colors of the nebulas yeah so same kind of thing in this okay in this way like during the neutron star collision the change of colors showed kind of like a change in the elements the kilonova turned red and that showed them that it was the result of newly created heavy elements beginning to absorb the blue light oh wow it just started to absorb it yeah, and they could figure that out because it turned red. Wow. The colors in this kilonova showed proof for formation in platinum and gold. Ooh. <gasps> so that's where gold comes from. Gold comes from the collision of neutron stars. The crazy thing about this collision that we observed is that it produced several dozen times the mass of the Earth in just gold. <gasps> Whoa. Seven dozen 
Several dozen. Oh, that was exactly seven. Several dozen times. Several dozen times the, the mass, mass of, of the, the earth. earth in pure gold. Holy shit. That's how much was formed in one neutron star collision that we observed. Neutron stars challenges scientists' theoretical physics, and we have to go to computers to estimate what they're like. But now we can use the hard data to see what neutron stars are like. So before we could just kind of guess, and now that we have the data, we can really kind of analyze them. We could get the exact diameter of the neutron star. How? By the data that we collected from it. Really? And How big was it? So the diameter is calculated to be 12.4 miles. 12.4 miles? That's the diameter? Yeah. Of a star? Of a neutron star. Of a neutron star? I thought it was going to be bigger. No, they're incredibly small. Oh, right. You said they're small but massive. Mm Mm-hmm. But I didn't expect it to be that small. 12.4 miles in diameter. That's nothing. But it makes all this? That's, I think, smaller than Manhattan. Oh, my God. Like, it's the size of a city. two of those little things collide. And it's... And it causes that much... Wow. They must be pretty massive, then. They are. How massive are they? Well, okay. It's a lot. So we're going to go in... I'll tell you a statistic that I have about how much just, like, a really, really small amount weighs. Okay. But first, let's go through... Just, I kind of want to explain why it's as heavy as it is. Okay. So the inside of it is so dense that nuclei of atoms can't hold together. (gasps) Wow. And to get an idea of its density, neutron stars are essentially twice the mass of the sun compressed to the size of a city. And the sun was how much bigger than Earth? A million. A teaspoon of this matter, the matter of a a neutron star, weighs a billion tons. A teaspoon. A teaspoon of... Neutron star. Of the matter of a neutron star. Weighs... A billion tons. A billion tons. It's a heavy spoon. (laughs) (laughs) It's so dense that if you took a sugar cube size of it, it would fall through the earth. Yeah, just like, um, something else. I think it was neutron stars. Get out, was it? Yeah. But we went through them very briefly. Yeah, we must have. That's insane. It's gravity. A neutron star's gravity is 200 billion times greater than Earth's. Don't. I did it. (laughs) (laughs) On top of its matter being crazy and its gravity being crazier, it also has a magnetic field and X-ray radiation. X-ray radiation? Well, I wonder what that's like. We go through, I think, why it happens. We'll get there. I'm pretty thorough about all of it. But the electric fields are 30 million times more powerful than lightning bolts. Ooh. I got a rundown of what would happen if a human were to get too close to a neutron star. Okay. It's pretty fucked up. All right, let's hear it. So first you would be torn apart by the magnetic field. Oh, okay. And then the X-ray radiation would blast you to a crisp. (gasps) And then the gravity is so intense that you'd be stretched out until your atoms and molecules are in a long, thin stream. Whoa. And then you would hit the surface and splatter across it. And become part of the planet, or part of the star. Part of the neutron star. Whoa. You're a shining star. (laughs) (laughs) 
This process would release as much energy as a nuclear bomb. Ooh. That's a lot of energy. You hitting the surface. A nuclear bomb. Whoa. Neutron stars have atmospheres, but they're only like two inches thick. What? Why? They're extremely dense. Well, yeah, the gravity's pushing Mm -hmm. it all in. And they're extremely dense compared to the air around us. So we can go through, let's go through like the levels of like the neutron star. So we've been able to kind of like layer it a little bit. Okay. And there's actually a funny analogy here that we're going to go through. Like onions? Kind of. They have layers? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> so there's this two inch atmosphere that's really dense. And then below that is a crust of ionized iron. So the, the shell is just straight off the bat fucking iron. <laughs> wow. And it gets more dense inside. Right. The gravity is so strong that it's mostly smooth. This, in, this star. Because the gravity is just always pushing down on it. Wow. The tallest mountains would be less than a quarter of an inch high. (gasps) Oh, that's a pretty flat landscape. Then we go beneath the crust. The neutrons themselves start to glue themselves together into exotic shapes. What? What is an exotic shape? Scientists compare it to pasta. Like noodles. (laughs) Like spaghetti? Yeah, well, we'll go through. Let's go through. So there's different types. So the neutrons in the like at the first they clump together into something that looks like gnocchi. <laughs> okay. And then deeper than that, those glue themselves together to form long strands, kind of like spaghetti. What is going on? <laughs> this is how. The- <laughs> this is how the um. The neutrons are acting inside of the neutron star. Okay, next, next. All right, so spaghetti, and then deeper, those form together the spaghettis into like lasagna sheets, (laughs) and then the lasagna forms together to become a unified mass, but with holes in it, like penne, like penne. (laughs) Wow, that's how they they describe it. The scientists use your noodle. The interior of the neutron star is over a million degrees Fahrenheit. <gasps> what is that in Celsius? It's over Doesn't a million matter. degrees. <laughs> <laughs> it's over a million degrees Celsius. <laughs> the gravity bends, squeezes, stretches, and it creates a material 100,000 billion times denser than iron. 1,000 billion? 100,000 billion. 100,000 billion times denser than iron. Even deeper, we can get weirder. Mm. We'll go to the core, which is really far away from the pasta layers. And it's the most exotic form of matter that we can observe. It's estimated that the core is made up of a superfluid... And it's a bizarre, friction-free state of matter. Friction-free? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to imagine what that would even look like. It's a friction-free... State of matter. It's, it's a, like a liquid? It's a fluid? Yeah, it's a fluid. Yeah, because I guess it's constantly moving, but it doesn't get so hot to go into like another state. So it's like friction-free because it's just able to stay in this incredibly hot state of matter. Wow. 
And that explains the magnetic field because cores need to have liquid in order to have a magnetic field around like a planet, for example. Yeah. Wow. So the inside is not fully figured out. Like it's still partly a mystery. We don't, we can't say for certain, obviously this is what's going on. This is just kind of like what we've observed and what we can say, but we do know for certain how neutron stars are made. So let's go through that process. Neutron stars are born during the most spectacular event the universe shows us, which is the death of a massive star, just a supernova. Um, And as we know, stars are born from giant clouds of gas. These clouds of gas collapse under their own gravity and the density at the core starts to increase. The force of gravity is so powerful that it fuses atoms together and it starts with hydrogen into helium within the star. Mm-hmm. And then if it's massive enough, it can use helium in its core. If it's massive enough, it can use helium within its core. And these stars make carbon, oxygen, nitrogen, all the way up to iron. Normal stars. Ooh. Yeah. Once they make iron, it's dead meat. (laughs) Immediately when it creates iron, it stops making energy because iron takes more energy than it gives as an element. Okay. So that's why as soon as a star makes iron, it's done. It's done because a star is alive because it's constantly pouring out energy in fusion, which is creating more elements and more atoms of helium and hydrogen. And as soon as it makes iron, it's done. Within seconds, like it's it's a goner. So the star collapses and the core becomes a wild pressure cooker. And this is the beginning of the birth of a neutron star. Oh. Neutrons are formed at incredibly high densities within the core. And electrons are absorbed into the atomic nuclei. And the matter in the stars can now press together tighter within the core of like when it's dying. Okay. So it's funny, the death of the star is also the birth of the neutron star. Yeah. So that its parent dying is the birth of itself. Should I? This process specifically of how much pressure there is in this core Mm -hmm. is compared to squeezing 300 million tons of mass into a single sugar cube. 300. 300 million tons of mass. 300 million tons of mass. Into a single sugar sugar cube. cube. That's even heavier than the other one. (laughs) And as this star collapses, enormous amounts of gas are falling towards the core with it. Okay. And this is small in size, but huge in mass. And then it erupts into a huge cosmic display, which is the supernova. But what's left over after the supernova is this neutron star. So it's like a shell almost. Kind of. Hmm. With the mass of that star in a smaller, like, core version of it. Wow. But what I I heard this, and I'm sure I've said it before, but I just wanted to remind us that one star dying can outshine an entire galaxy. That's how miraculous these supernovas are. Wow. That's bright. Yeah. A lot of neutron stars don't give off light, so we can estimate that there's around 2,000 neutron stars within the Milky Way galaxy. Okay. But there are probably many, many more. So how do we find them if they're not giving us any visuals? So most don't give off light, but some do. So we'll get into that a little bit further and we'll get into actually, it's funny you talk about location like that Mm. because this episode kind of goes into like our place in the galaxy at the very end. So that's funny that you asked that. We'll get to it. Mm. All right. The real number of the amount of neutron stars in our galaxy is probably closer to tens of millions within the Milky Way and billions within the universe. Billions within the universe. And millions in the Milky Way? Tens of millions. Tens of millions in the Milky Way. Okay. So there's a lot of them. There's a lot. 
we've just recently discovered neutron stars just 50 years ago. 50? Like the 70s? Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy that was 50 years That's ago? That's fucked. I always go 30. Me too. <laughs> there was a grad student that discovered our first kind of neutron star. Get out. Yeah, and it was a really weird observation. So she saw short but constantly repeating bursts of radiation originating a thousand light years away from Earth. Okay. It was so stable and regular that the grad student that discovered it 50 years ago was convinced that there was something wrong with her telescope. Really? Because it was so constant. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would kind of throw you. She also found a point in the sky that was constantly flashing at us. Nothing that we know of in the universe has such a steady, perfectly timed pulse. And it was so perfect that they thought it was artificial. Wow. What this student discovered was a pulsar. Okay. I think we've mentioned them before. They're neutron stars, but like a more, kind of like um, quasars and then okay. quasar jets. Yeah. So the, this is kind of like that, where it's like neutron stars and pulsars. Okay. Um, but I'll, I'll fully explain what pulsars are. Pulsars are pretty much really, really fast spinning neutron stars. Okay. But originally, when she discovered this pulsar, she called them LGM objects. Okay. For little green men. Because they thought it was artificial. She thought it was like an alien. Oh, fuck. So they kind of like, she called it LGM object because she thought it was an alien. Because that's how perfectly timed out it is. Yeah, something had to be making that. Because nothing in the universe does that. Wow. Then she found a second signal, which allowed us to fully discover pulsars and really say like, this is what it is. Okay. They pulse because they spin fast and they burst into life as their parent star collapses in a supernova. Any object that is undergoing a pressure event and it has any angular momentum at it, it will eventually end up spinning. So within- Is that why Earth spins? Because we're kind of on an angle? No. No, this is saying that like when it was in that pressure- Part of becoming a neutron star, if it's at an angle, it will spin. Okay. Neutron stars spin really, really fast. Their surface moves 20% the speed of light in some cases. Wow. Very fast. Why are y'all going so fucking fast? (laughs) Nice. So what does it go? How fast does it go regularly? Well, they're all unique. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, some pulsars move, spin very, very fast. Neutron stars. Okay. Um, as they spin, they generate beams of energy. But these ones are generated by the chaos from within the neutron star. Because although the star is mostly a ball of neutrons, the crust is sprinkled with protons and electrons, which at spinning hundreds of times a second generates an incredible magnetic field. Wow. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. The electric and magnetic fields work together and they create radiation. And that's what's being erupted out of the poles beams of pure radiation and if these poles are slightly tilted Mm -hmm. they're coming out in small circles so sometimes when we see it we can see like a flash 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 as it's going in circles like just touching like just reaching us wow yeah because they're being beamed out in like little tiny circles Hmm. it was compared to like a ship in a lighthouse okay that's a good one sometimes pulsars get an even extra push to spin more by who well, it's themselves. They do it to themselves. <laughs> but because it has immense gravity, all it takes is an object coming close to it and it's stealing some material. Mm-hmm. So added material makes it go faster. 
Oh. An increase in material speeds it up. Hmm. So if things get too close and it takes it in because it has really, really strong gravity. I wouldn't have thought that it sped it up, though. That's funny you say that because later on we talk about something that as it collects, it slows down. So that's hmm. funny. That makes more sense to me. That it slows down, right? Yeah. yeah. These pulsars that have collected material and spin even faster... Mm-hmm. They're called millisecond pulsars, and they spin at around 700 revolutions a second. Oh, that's fast. <laughs> 700. Imagine a second broken up into 700. How small that would be. That's like going into plank time. Yeah, it's, it's on their territory there. <laughs> This means that on a neutron star, a day isn't 24 hours, but 700th of a second. Can't get much done, eh? <laughs> Wouldn't be able to. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I keep missing my chance. <laughs> when do I sleep? <laughs> Imagine how old someone would be living there. Yeah. Old. Oh my god. Do you even count age then? Probably not. You'd think something spinning this fast would just blow up because it's so insane. But because they have such intense gravity, its gravity is holding it together. Oh my god. Holding it all together. Astronomers have observed neutron stars and witnessed something very interesting. Um, They noticed that it increased speed in incredibly fast time. Like, in the blink of an eye, it would increase in speed. So when they kind of were observing that, they noticed that... It would take an amazing amount of power to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And these sudden changes in speed are actually called glitches, is what they called it. Ooh, okay. (laughs) One idea for what causes these glitches is that the core material latches onto the crust and it affects how it spins. Oh, causing a glitch. Right. Ooh. There's another theory that they could be caused by star quakes. The star quake releases a ton of radiation, which causes the face of the neutron star to rearrange itself, and that would cause the rotation of speed to change. Oh, and this all happens in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Mm. Very quickly. Well, they're spinning so fast, like, it makes sense. Yeah, it, it makes sense. It's just so fast. Hard to believe, like, yeah, it could be happening literally right now. The starquakes then, let's get into that a little bit more. So they're formed um, because extreme magnetic fields within the star can get so twisted that it could rip up the star wide open, which would release an enormous amount of energy. But the neutron star's gravity is so intense that it just kind of like quickly would smooth over the surface. So it's like Hmm. the glitch never happened. So it like tried to explode and it was like, nope. And it went back. Whoa. That's so weird. It's like it covers its tracks or something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking of. It's like rebirthed itself. Like it's recreated. It's like, oops, I accidentally slipped. Let's get you back in there, you know? (laughs) Yeah. There's another type of neutron star that has the most powerful magnetic field in the universe. Okay. It's called a magnetar. Magnetar. Why does that sound familiar? I actually wrote here that I know we've mentioned it before, but I can't remember where. Which episode? I, yeah, I don't remember the episode, but it was definitely in my place. Mm Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that one in ten neutron stars formed become a magnetar. One out of ten? One in ten become a magnetar. That's a lot of magnetars. Magnetars have magnetic fields 1,000... This number's fucking astounding. Okay. 1,000 trillion times stronger than that of Earth's. 1,000 trillion times that of Earth's. Is there gravity? The magnetic field. The magnetic field... 1,000 trillion. 1,000 trillion times. I wonder what that looks like. Like, what it does for them. 
It's insane. What does it do? So, first of all, anything that would go near it would be torn from its atom. The magnetic field is just so powerful. Um, They burn brightly. Okay. But their lives are very brief. Mm. Um, Like seconds brief or thousands of years brief? 10,000 years. Yeah, a few ten thousands of years. Yeah. Okay. We need to clarify sometimes. You're right. Yeah. With, (laughs) yeah, space is interesting. Space and time. The magnetar is picking up material around it, but this is actually slowing it down over time. Right. Yeah, this is what I mentioned. Yeah. Right. Okay. This is what you mentioned. It's a little messed up here. Yeah. Uh, this is like what we what you think would happen. Yeah, what should happen. It slows down over time and the spin of the neutron star slows down and the magnetic field dies away. Okay. Magnetars aren't like pulsars. They don't have beams. Their magnetic field shoots out gigantic bursts of high intensity radiation, though. Yikes. We won't want to be too close to that. Nope. But just recently, scientists have discovered a neutron star that's kind of hard to classify. Okay. Because... It acts like a pulsar and a magnetar. How so? It has the extreme magnetic fields okay. and the magnetic outburst, mm-hmm. but also the jets of radiation coming from its poles. Oh, it has the best of both worlds. <laughs> exactly. But what's interesting is we've been examining it for a really long time, and 16 years after we discovered it, it stopped pulsing and started sending out massive X-ray bursts. So it started with the, the behavior of a pulsar and went mm-hmm. into the behavior of a magnetar. Huh. I wonder if it'll go back to a pulsar again. Interesting, right? To see if it'll... Yeah. Hmm. So we don't know if this is a magnetar turning into a pulsar or vice versa or what. Like, we're just kind of... Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Shit, eh? It's assumed that this neutron star is ripping itself apart because of the powerful magnetic field. Oh, yeah, this was cool. So pulsars, because they have, like, the beams kind of coming out of it, they're very distinctive parts that we can point out and say this is here for sure so we've been able to kind of map them out and use pulsars as like a gps and this opens up the possibility for the future of space travel because then we can kind of pinpoint ourselves where we are in the milky way oh my god yeah the same way that we use gps satellites we could use pulsars so that's all i have on neutron stars that's a lot they're pretty wild, uh, and I didn't realize how many different types there were. Yeah, I would have just thought there was just, like, a neutron star, that's it. Right. Yeah, I really liked learning about it. I thought they were pretty interesting. They're pretty interesting. So, I think I want to keep the ending fairly short here, not to keep anybody too long. So, is there anything else you want to say? No. Okay. As for next week's episode, it looks like it'll be me and Liz, but Cam may be able to make it back in time, but if not, it'll be just me and Liz, so you can expect that. With that, keep looking up, Solar Sisters. Bye.